You're listening to the Bravehearted Voices podcast. In this podcast, we feature sermons that deeply stir us toward Jesus Christ and living fully for His glory. As you listen to this powerful collection of communicators from yesteryear, it is our desire that you be stirred to live a life fully given to Jesus Christ and discover a Christianity that actually works. And if Jesus is dead, she loves the dead Jesus. And she sat near the tomb of the dead Jesus, who could do nothing for her. He could not lift a finger for her. He could do no miracle to her. He could not speak to her words of comfort. He could not wipe away her tears. Nothing. He was dead. But he was the Savior. Living or dead, he was the Savior. Living or dead, he was not able. And what if you tell me that he is dead? I love him just as much as if when he was alive. And if the whole church would have died and would have lost its faith, that's no motive for me to lose my faith. Two and two, we have to arrive to a certitude in faith. I told you yesterday that the word to doubt does not exist in Hebrew. It does not exist in the Old Testament. And it does not appertain to this, but may uh, point to you another Hebrew word which does not exist. I have been very often accused by leaders of the World Council of Churches. They have written against me. And uh, they have written always, Wurmbrand paints the situation behind the Iron Curtain in white and black. It is not so. There exists the grey. And I told them, I accept this if you show me in the whole Bible the word grey. The Bible does not know the color grey. There exists in the Bible blue, there exists green, there exists white, there exists whatever you like. Grey mixture does not exist. A thing is true or untrue. It is right or it is wrong. It is white or it is black. You have to go with the world or you have to go with Christ and so on. And now, the Bible does not have the word, the Old Testament, the Hebrew, does not have the word to doubt and we must be sure in these problems of faith as I am sure about the table of multiplication and two and two are four. This is true. If my father is alive or if he has died, it makes no change in mathematics. Makes absolutely. If I am satiated or I starve, if I am free or if I am in prison, if I am beaten or if I am caressed, the truth of the mathematics does not change. Two plus two caresses are four caresses, and two and two beatings make four beatings. Two and two make four. And then the certainty of truth and a love like that of St. Mary Magdalene makes you to be able to resist brainwashing. Resist to the extreme. I don't wish to pose as a hero. I am a man. And as every man, I have had my flaws and my weaknesses as others. And therefore, we exist as a church to encourage each other in moments of weaknesses. And under this terrible pressure, 
I at a certain moment whispered to a brother near me, he was a Presbyterian minister, a very good Christian, and I whispered to him, brother, I believe that I have lost my faith. I don't think that I'm anymore a believer. And he, with a smile which never left him, asked me, but did you ever believe? I said, yes, I surely did. He said, then remember one verse of the Bible. When Virgin Mary comes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth tells her, blessed is the one who has believed in the past tense. Elizabeth does not say, blessed is the one who believes. Blessed is the one who has believed. If you have believed, you are blessed. Live on this blessedness. I can't tell you what these words have meant for me under those circumstances. I don't know how good theologies are, if you can put them in a book of theology, but we did not live on theology in that time. <laughs> Nobody lived on theology. And you live on past memories. Therefore, the Bible says it. Don't forget, praise the Lord and don't forget no, his past uh, blessings which he has given to you. We remember the past blessings even if now I pass through a dark night of uh, the soul. I jump from one question to the other because thoroughly the watch also jumps. <coughs> but after a tea break, we will have the occasion to put questions and we will come back uh, to this. One of the great problems for an underground fighter is to know, to fill out his solitude. As I told you, I have been three years in solitary confinement. I was lucky. I met a prisoner who was 17 years in solitary confinement. And we were with absolutely no book, not only the Bible, but not even a, a novel, nothing. No book, no scrap of paper and no pencil. We never heard a noise. There was absolutely nothing to distract our minds. <coughs> you looked at the walls. That was all. Now, normally, a mind under such circumstances gets mad. If you will read great books about prison life, as Papillon and other such books, <coughs> which are very valuable to be read for a future underground worker, just to catch the atmosphere of prison as much as a free man can catch it, you will see the maddening influence of uh, being alone during years without anything to distract your mind. Now I can tell you from my own experience how I avoided becoming mad, but this again has to be prepared by a life of spiritual exercise beforehand. How much can you be alone now? Without the bad. Just you for yourself alone. 
He's not switching on the radio or a record player and so on. Now, I and many other prisoners, we did it like this. We never slept during the night. We slept during the day. The whole night we were awake. You know that a psalm says, Blessed are those who are at night in the house of the Lord. One prayer at night is worth ten prayers during the day. All great sins and crimes are committed during the night. The great robberies and burglaries and drunkenness and traveling and adulteries and everything. This whole life of sin is a nightlife during the day. Everyone has to work somewhere in a factory or in a college or somewhere. The great sins are committed in the night. The demonic forces are forces of the night. And therefore it is so important to oppose them during the night. And <coughs> vigils are very important. I don't know how it is in South Africa. I don't know. But in America, vigils are completely unknown. Completely unknown. But I know in my country, even before the communists take over, my son, Mihai, when he had the age of three, four, he knew about vigils. He was brought up in vigils. The whole night we would pass in prayer, visit children of three and four. They, while we prayed, they would pray a little bit, then they would kick each other, then we would spank them a little bit, then they would pray again a little bit, then they would fall asleep under, the, under some tables, and they, we would give them some. That's how they were brought up, with vigils. And uh, now, we awoke when the other prisoners went to bed, when the signal was given for going to bed. And now, I had, I put it in this uh, first person, I don't wish to speak about myself, but I speak of my experience, it was experience also of other prisoners. We filled our time with a program which was so heavy that we could not fulfill our whole program. We started with prayer, a prayer in which we traveled through the whole world. I have been to South Africa too. We traveled through the whole world and prayed for each country where we knew the names of towns, where we knew the names. Sometimes we knew names of men, of great preachers in Britain or in America or I don't know where. It took us a good hour or two to come back. We, we prayed for pilots and we prayed for those who are on the sea and those who are in prisons. And then the Bible says one of the great joys which everyone can have, even in a communist prison cell, in the Bible it is said, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And I thought, now, there are somewhere families are gathered with their children, and they read the Bible together, and they say jokes to each other, and they are so happy with each other, and I can rejoice with them. And here is a young boy who loves a young girl and dates her. I can be happy about them. And there they have a prayer evening, and there there is somebody who studies, and there is somebody who enjoys just good food and so on, we could rejoice with those who rejoice. After having traveled through the whole world, I read the Bible from memory. Now, to memorize the Bible is very important for an underground worker. 
the friendly more will not give you Bibles to read. I can assure you, neither the Zimbabwe or the Swapo or how all these gangs are called, they will give you no Bibles in prison. And <coughs> we learned the Bible, we read the Bible out of memory. And just to make us also laugh a little bit, I will tell you one thing which happened. Once I lay on the few planks which were my bed, and I read out of memory the, from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the Sermon on the Mount, and I arrived to the part where it is said, when you are persecuted for my name's sake, rejoice and jump for joy. You remember that it is written like this. And I said, how could I commit such a sin of neglect? Christ had said that we have to, to do two different things. One, to rejoice. This I have not. And the second, jump for joy. This I have not done. Now, it must have a sense that Christ had said, jump. So I jumped. I came down from my bed and I began to jump around. Now, I don't know how many of you are jailbirds. How many of you have been in prison already? <laughs> They would not say. <laughs> well, now, in prison, the, the door of the cell has a peephole. And the guards look in. And he happened to look in just while I jumped around. So he believes that I got mad. And they had the order to behave very well with madmen, so that those who are shouting and banging at the door and so on should not disturb the order of the prison. And so he immediately entered the garden, quietened me down, said, you will be released, you will see everything will be all right, just remain quiet, I'll bring you something. And he went as to a little child, you know, when he's naughty. And he brought me a big loaf of bread. Our portion was one slice of bread a week, and now I had a whole loaf. And cheese, if you would know, it was white. Never eat cheese, just simply eat cheese. First of all, admire its whiteness. It is beautiful to look upon. And sugar. And then he told me a few, a, few, a few nice words again. He locked the door and he left. And I said, well, I will eat these after having finished the chapter. And I laid down again, where did I remain? Yes. When you will be persecuted for my name's sake, rejoice and jump for joy, because great will be your reward. <laughs> and I look to this loaf of bread and cheese, <laughs> really, the reward was great. <clears throat> so, the next thing which we did is we read the Bible from memory, we memorized it, we uh, meditated it. I composed this before I broke down under the effect of uh, doping. I composed every night a sermon, beginning with dear brethren and sisters and finishing with Amen. And after I composed it, I delivered it. I put them afterwards in very short rhymes so that I could remember them, you know, the essence of the sermons. And here are two books, Sermons in Solitary Confinements, and if prison walls could speak, I have memorized 350 such sermons. When I came out from prison, I wrote them down. I can't find a publisher who should publish 350 sermons, but some 50 of them have been published already in two books, Sermons in Solitary Confinement, and if prison walls could speak. Sermons which I just delivered, God hears, the angels hear, 
and the angels have wings, and perhaps they take the thoughts to somebody else, and, and God made it, and the angels made it. They are published, and they are published in many languages, and they are helpful. But we filled our time with this. I composed books, I composed poems, I thought about wife, about children. Then I thought it is very important, it has no sense to sit in prison and not to rejoice. So I told myself every night jokes. <laughs> but only always new jokes, which I did not, had not known before, so that I might be able to, to laugh. Sometimes I cheated, you know, I just changed the name. <laughs> Instead of Moshe, it was Chaim, you know. <laughs> but somehow, <coughs> and now as I remember those jokes, some of them are written down in the book Sermons and Solitary Confinement, they were all optimistic. They were all optimistic. One joke, which I wrote, it shows, uh, no, I could not reproduce, but it shows me how I felt then. One of the jokes was that a, a woman says to her husband, Peter, what should I do? I have set on my false teeth and I broke them. <laughs> and the husband said, be happy. Imagine that you would have set on your natural teeth. <laughs> so I saw the good side in things. Out of bread I have made uh, chessmen. And some of them I made white with a little bit of chalk from the wall. And the others were gray, you know. And I play chess with myself and never believe the lie that Bob Fisher is the greatest chess master of the world. He won in the last match with Pasky. He won eight parties and lost two. I, in three years, never lost a party. <laughs> Either with white or with black. It was always I who won. Now, it is very important, the result of why I told you all these things is that it belongs to the secrets of the underground worker when he suffers, never to allow his mind to become depressed, because then the communists have you in his hand. Your mind must be continually exercised, it must be alert, it must think, it must, everyone, according to his abilities, compose different things, and so on. Now my time has passed. I have to tell you, I wish to finish just with, I will keep you just five minutes more, and then we will have a tea break. The underground church is not something new. Now, after having worked so many years in the underground church, now I read the New Testament with new eyes. When I read in the Acts of the Apostles, Barsabbas called Justus, Simon called Niger. Now if he's Simon, why should he be called Niger? And if, he, if he's Barsabbas, why should he be called Justus? And why should one James be called son of the thunder? And why if he's Simon, should he be called Peter? Now, I had never known any any explanation for this? You will find so many names changed in the New Testament. Now that is exactly what happens in the underground church. I had so many names in the underground church. All kind of names. 
wherever I went in a town, in a village, they would not say that Brother Burma has come in one time. It was Vasily, and the other it was Georgescu, and the other one it was Rubin, and the other one it was so and so. And then when I was arrested, I was Richard Wurmbrand, called so and so, called so and so. So we have nicknames. We have some very strange expressions in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament is really the word of God. I believe in the literal inspiration of the, of the, not in the verbal inspiration. I don't believe in the verbal inspiration. I believe in the literal inspiration of the Bible. Every letter. Now, if every word is from God, why are there some so useless words? It is written in Luke, Jesus prayed in a certain place. Now, what sense have these words? You can't pray otherwise than in a certain place. You have to be somewhere when you pray. Then why these words in a certain place? He came to a certain city. Now, every city is a certain city, but you said nothing when you said in a certain city. Now, that is exactly the language of the underground church. When I traveled around the country, and I came back, I would tell my wife I was in a certain city, and there in a certain place, I met with a certain brother, and we decided that at a certain hour, we will meet in a certain house, in a certain home, and, then we, and we find now again exactly the language of the underground church. Jesus wished to have a supper with his disciples. Now, the normal thing for him would have been to say, go on that and that street at number so-and-so, ask about Mr. Johnson, and there in Mr. Johnson's house, prepare a supper for me. Instead of the, this, he says, enter into Jerusalem. And you will see a man wearing a pitcher, which was a very rare thing at that time, because the women uh, were those who drew water from the well. And uh, you will see a man with a pitcher. Go after him. Don't ask him ever. No, go after him. That's exactly how we do it. When we have some uh, prayer meeting, let me see, or some, we would not give an address, because I don't know if you are not a Judas. Or if, we would tell you, you stand at the corner of that street, or you sit in a forum there in a public park, and you there, and you will see passing a man with a blue necktie, or with I don't know what, and go after him, and if anybody asks the other, what is your name, then we know he's an informer of the secret police. So the underground church is something which existed already in the time of the New Testament, and with this we have finished with all the critics of our organization. We have critics too, don't believe that I, I never speak about those who praise us, we have such ones too. But uh, I will speak about art or critics. We have critics, those of the work of churches and others, who say that what we do is uh, unlawful before God. Because a church should not work underground and we have to obey the authorities. They give money to the Frelimo, which also obey the authorities. They give money to the good earth, it say to obey authorities. Now, in the Bible it is written what an authority is. It is a ruler who punishes evil and rewards good. An authority which forbids the word of God puts itself outside of any human sphere. Nothing. No Bible verse applies to it. Every authority has its flaws and has its injustices and has its abuses because no government is constituted of saints, it is constituted of sinners. No? So they do right things and they do wrong things. The principal thing, they should not hinder 
a caterpillar to become a butterfly. They should not hinder a bird to become a flower. They should not hinder a sinner to become a saint. As long as they allow me this, I don't expect from them to be saints dropped from heaven. I expect from them that they do sometimes good things and sometimes wrong laws, which they can change after a couple of years or so on. I will respect them as authority. But if they take away the very sins of my life, the sins of the life of a caterpillar is to become a butterfly, and the sins of my life is to prepare myself for a more beautiful existence in heaven, we don't feel any duty towards these communist uh, authorities. And we just, our mission just continues this underground work and we help this underground church in communist countries. I give you just a glimpse of a few of the problems which this underground church has so that you might have somehow an image about how it looks like. And now, may God bless you. And uh, now we will have a tea break. Mr. Skinner will tell you better. And after this, I will answer your questions. Bravehearted Voices is brought to you by the Ministry of Deeper Christian in partnership with Ellerslie Discipleship. Our passion is to help you grow spiritually by providing Christ-centered resources, discipleship, and training in the Word of God and the victorious life of Christ. Our agenda is to bring back the stuff of old the sort of Christianity that has lived out with the gusto of heaven and actually and practically works. For more, visit BraveheartedVoices.com.